At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Well, hello everyone. Ron Spomer with Ron Spomer Outdoors Podcast. And we're not outdoors. I don't know why I call this Ron Spomer Outdoors. I'm always sitting in the studio. Hey, we're going to do some more questions and answers. People seem to like those and I enjoy them myself. Let's see if we can stump the chump. And one of the team has established which ones I need to try to answer today. And uh, these are pulled off of either the blogs on ronspomeroutdoors.com blog site, website, or the YouTube channels, Uh, usually Ronspomer Outdoors YouTube channel. That's the main one where we demonstrate guns and ammo and ballistics and all that good stuff. And that usually generates some questions. And here's one from Les. What are your thoughts on converting? To hammer bullets for a 280 Remington. And then what about a 280 AI? Oh boy, this gives me a lot to talk about. I don't know if I would call it converting to hammer bullets. I would just say stepping up to hammer bullets, perhaps. Um, hammer bullets, for those of you who do not know them, and they're relatively new, I think it's about, what, seven years now that they've been making them. Uh, just a small company who had a better idea and they're seeing it to fruition, and I think they've done a pretty darn good job with it. These are all copper bullets. Now, it's an alloy, so it's not pure copper. I don't know what they put in. You know, it's the old secret sauce recipe, (laughs) but boy, they sure seem to work. And we did an interview with uh, one of the proprietors who started this whole thing, Steve, and he said that their design idea is for the pedals to break off. If you're at all familiar with copper bullets, I'm sure you've seen the Barnes X-Bullet. That thing's been around for more than 25 years, and it's really built up a reputation for performance. And those are designed for the pedals to open and then stay on so that you've got good expansion and a little bit of a spinning action. There's some debate about whether that spinning action makes any difference or not, but I, I think it surely does because you can see the pedals torqued to the side from the friction of going through the tissue. At any rate, that's the idea with them. It's essentially using a copper bullet to mimic the exposed lead of a soft point traditional bullet um, without breaking up, maintains full weight so it got good momentum and continues with that momentum. So the hammer guys were looking for something a little different because they have noted what many lead bullet shooters have over the years is that when a bullet breaks up, those pieces can do some additional damage outside of the rather narrow channel of the bullet, the main bullet wounding area. So they wanted the pedals to break off, and that is how they designed their bullets. 
and they seem to work pretty well. I've only used them one time to take one animal, but it worked as advertised. It was massive tissue destruction from that little bullet, and it was just a little twenty-five caliber bullet through a whitetail's chest. So it was pretty impressive. Now, if you want to switch to the hammer bullets for your two eighty Remington, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't give it a try. Uh, you just you're going to be using a little bit lighter bullet. Remember now the specific gravity of copper is less than that of lead. So in any given bullet length of a bullet of the same shape, the one made out of pure copper is going to weigh less than the one that's got a lead core in it. And this is why you will often see uh, lead core bullets in a particular caliber, like 7 millimeter, like this 280 Remington. They're usually topping out at 160 grains, maybe 175 in the 7s. Uh, but typically on a 280, you're going to see 140 and 150 grain bullets. The equivalent in a copper bullet is probably only going to weigh around, well, the equivalent of 150 grain would probably weigh 130 to 135 grains in copper. And then people go, oh, I can't get enough bullet weight. It's not going to perform. Yes, it will. Here's why. The lighter bullet can be driven faster. So there you're sort of making up lost ground to the weight issue. And because it's maintaining almost all of its mass in its shank. It's not breaking up into multiple pieces. It has good penetration potential. They generally shoot clear through an animal. That's been my long experience with Barnes bullets. And that's what happened with this hammer bullet, even though the tips of the, the nose pedals broke off. They were designed to break. They did break. And I still shot completely through that animal. So Expect to shoot through. Don't worry that your bullets are going to be a little bit lighter. And I wouldn't worry too much about accuracy. Uh, years ago, when copper bullets were just getting going, there were a lot of complaints about inaccuracy in some rifles. And that was largely because of the obduration. That is the bullet swelling and or shrinking to fit slight variations in actual bore size. You need your bullet to swell enough to fully fit the grooves, the groove depth, and seal it so all the gases behind the bullet push it out and not escape around it. And yet the bullet has to conform to any little differences in the wall diameters going down that bore. Lead does that beautifully. Even lead-jacketed bullets do it very well. Copper, not quite as much. But the hammers are unique in that they have multiple grooves around the shank that are convex or concaved, uh, what is the word that Steve used to describe it. At any rate, it was not a sharp cut up and down and then a, a wall on the shank. It was just a gentle curve, and you only had a small percentage of that top of that curve that was actually touching in the bottom of the groove. So it reduces the copper fouling, reduces the pressures, and it helps maintain beautiful accuracy. It all works. So you might want to just research it. Go to Hammer's website. I'm sure they've got plenty of information on there. I wouldn't hesitate to use it at all in, in a 280 Remington or the 280 AI or anything else. And now your AI, for those of you who do not know that, all that is a sort of an improved version of various cartridges. These were made up by um, Ackley, a gunsmith in Colorado back in the 1950s and 60s. And he sort of invented this improved cartridge where he took the cartridge sidewalls, if they were tapered quite a bit, and straightened them out. So there's minimal taper that gave him a little bit more room inside for powder. And then he sharpened the shoulders to 40 degrees. 
And what that enabled him to do then was to decrease case stretching during shooting and hand loading again and again. You get longer case life and a little easier to load. You pick up a little bit of velocity and it's become really popular, especially in the 280 for some reason. And I don't know exactly why, but I gosh, I'm getting one back around 1991 or 92. And I went out hunting with that 280 AI in a Rifles Inc. Strata Stainless five-pound rifle that shot like a house of fire. And I took elk and moose and sheep and deer. And oh my goodness, it was a great, great cartridge and rifle. So I'm high on the 280 AI. I don't think it did anything really that the 280 Remington wouldn't do. But as someone said the other day, it's easier to find 280 AI ammo on the shelves these days than standard 280 Remington. (laughs) Crazy how things change. All right, good question, Les, with a long answer. Here's uh, Lorenzo. Would you prefer a 7mm wind mag over a 300 wind mag? No. I mean, a 300 wind mag has more options for heavier bullets, right? Well, you got that part right. Uh, Lorenzo, but you've got the seven millimeter wind mag part wrong because unless one of my team here typed it wrong, it should have been Remington Magnum because that's a seven mm rem mag and there's also a seven millimeter Weatherby Magnum, but not Winchester. So, would I prefer the seven rem mag over the 300 wind mag? I think I would, and I have made that choice several years ago. I've written and, and done videos on this. I got together with uh, Jim Borden of Borden Rifles. He's the uh, he's a heck of a shooter. He's done a lot of bench rest shooting and won a lot of competitions. And he builds incredibly accurate rifles with his own unique action design using Borden bumps. It's worth looking into. You might want to check him out. Jim Borden, Borden Rifles. At any rate, he and I were discussing, you know, if you had to make one rifle to hunt everything with, you didn't want to have to worry about which one to take. Just always had the same rifle. What would you get? And I was thinking even though I hadn't hunted with it all that much, the 7 millimeter Remington Magnum. And I was saying that because over the years of using 30s and 32s and 33s and 35s and everything, I just discovered that you really couldn't tell the difference when you shot an animal like moose. I'd shot a lot of moose with calibers as light as the 6.5 and bullets as light as 120 grains, and they didn't act any different than when I hit them with a 325 WSM. So like, whoa, what's the point? Why am I shooting these big, heavier, kicking, heavier bulleted rifles if the effect on game seems to be about the same? So I thought, well, what would be a good compromise then? I don't necessarily want to step down to a 26 or a 24, and I don't want to go up to a 33 or 35. I kind of like the lighter weight, the lighter recoil, the lighter bullet, and all the other things that I thought about when I was doing all this mountain hunting and backpacking. So I thought 7mm. I've used the 708s and 757s and a 284s and a 7 rem mag. And by golly, you can shoot a 175 grain bullet in a 7 rem mag. And most of the 300s that I shot, the 300 wind mags and even the Weatherby mags, I used a 180 grain bullet. So you're practically using the same bullet weight. So then I started looking at the ballistic performances and realized that because of the higher ballistics coefficient of the 175 grain seven millimeter bullet over the 180, if I stuck with those two bullet weights in those two cartridges, I would actually get better downrange energy performance, flatter trajectory, and less wind deflection out of the seven rem mag. And Jim agreed with me. 
I mean, I barely suggested it. And he said, seven rem mag. <laughs> That's just what I was thinking. And we discussed it and exactly what I said. He and I both came to that same conclusion. You can do it all with that seven rem mag. Little less recoil. I really wouldn't worry about that. But I can't argue against a 300 win mag either. That has been known as a great all-round world beater of a cartridge. And it certainly is. And yes, you can shoot heavier bullets in it. 220 grain, 230 grain. It'll stabilize. And you've got some good choices for really big, heavy bullets for really big, heavy game with the 300 that you won't get with a seven rem. But I'm thinking most guys aren't going there. They're still going to go with that 180, maybe a 200 grain in the 300. And you've got to go up to about a 210 grain with the same basic bullet shape between it and the seven rem to get similar ballistics, same wind deflection and drop and stuff. But either one of them are, they're just a heck of a great choice. I kind of, go to that 7 rem mag. And then if you push me a little bit further, I'd have to go with the 280 AI because it comes within 100 feet per second of the 7. And then you say, well, you know, the 284 Winchester will with, come within 100 feet per second of that one. And pretty soon you're shooting the 757 Mauser and loving it. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, this is B's question. B asks, what is the best pistol caliber carbine for close-range deer hunting? Well, now, B, if I understand you correctly here, what you're wondering is some sort of a handgun cartridge. I wouldn't say pistol. Pistol, we're generally thinking the autoloaders rather than revolvers. Revolvers are where you get your bigger 357 mag, 44 rem mag, 454 casual, 460 Smith & Wesson, 500 Smith & Wesson. You're getting up there. Some pretty significant big game cartridges. So that's what you're probably referring to. And then putting them in a carbine, a short, let's say at 18 to 20 inch barrel rifle, usually lever actions, guys are thinking. Yeah, that's a, a popular option. And what happens when you do that is that you increase the performance of those handgun cartridges because you've got a longer barrel. There's where you get increased performance. You're getting a longer, more complete burn of your powder and you can push the bullet faster. You can increase your muzzle velocity by several hundred feet per second, and that's going to give you more reach downrange. So, yes, if you're in an area where you have to use these straight-walled handgun cartridges and or you just plain want to, and you are looking for more performance with those big bullets, that's the way to do it. Go with the carbine. What you are missing, though, with any of these handgun cartridges and bullets is the long shank for momentum. These handgun bullets, you know, even though they're they're wide and we think of them as being Mr. Macho, like, you know, the old, uh, what, what, strongest handgun in the world, most powerful handgun in the world, Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, right? 44 mag, I think it was. Well, it wasn't even at that time, way back when he made that movie, it wasn't the most powerful. And it's not all that powerful anyway. Neither is the 454 Casul or any of them when you really look at it, uh, Twenty. 243 will be more powerful than a lot of those handgun cartridges just because how much faster the bullet is moving and it stays that way downrange, whereas those blunt-nosed bullets that are fairly short don't. They don't have what's called a high sectional density, and that's the cross-sectional density of the bullet. When you've got a fairly short bullet, which is what you get with these handgun cartridges and rounds, they're fat and they're relatively short, so they don't have high sectional density, which means they're probably not going to penetrate as well as a bullet that's longer. 
because obviously that's bullet of the same caliber is longer, it's going to be able to penetrate more because there's more mass back there. You just can't get the mass that you could take advantage of if you were using a longer bullet. And you just can't use a longer bullet in the handgun cartridge just because they won't fit in the cylinder. <laughs> but in a carbine, you might squeak it out. And that's something I haven't played around with, but I'm betting you could probably seat some longer bullets out a little bit further in a lever action. The action can handle them and cycle them. You've got a tube magazine to stuff them all in. You can probably seat those bullets out farther. Something that I have not worked with in my hand loading. So that could help you out as well. But even if you just shot standard handgun ammunition in a carbine, factory loaded stuff, you're still going to get more velocity out of them. And that will probably pick up a good, useful 50 yards of performance out of that thing. So, yeah, definitely worth considering for deer hunting. Good question, B. All right, Dale asks, if I could compare the 270 WSM to the 6.5 PRC, what are the pros and cons of each? Good question. And I have done this on a couple of videos. Go to Ron Spomer Outdoors YouTube channel. And I think you will find those where I'm saying, essentially, the 6.5 PRC is sort of the modern 270 WSM, or 270 Winchester, I'm sorry. The 270 WSM, however, is a step up because that's the short fat magnum that comes close to 270 Weatherby magnum performance. Not quite as fast, but 200 feet per second faster, I think, than the 270 Winchester in a short cartridge, but it's a short fat one. So if you don't like the fat ones, you're probably not going to like either one of these because they're both the short fat versions, which seems to be pretty popular these days. 35 degree shoulder on the WSM, I think a 30 degree shoulder on the PRC. Both of them are pretty darn efficient little rounds. Um, obviously, they're going to have a, a, a little more barrel burning potential. That means you burn the throat out from the high gas temperatures when you ignite them. But if you're just using them for hunting, you really don't need to be concerned about it. You're going to last for plenty and plenty of rounds for hunting. Well over 1,500, I should think. But it, it would be something that a lot of people would raise as an issue. I don't really get too concerned about barrel burning because I don't burn them out. Maybe it's because I trade rifles too often, <laughs> ship them around, or use two different many ones. But as long as you're not doing a lot of rapid fire shooting uh, or target shooting and putting 100 rounds a weekend through them and stuff, you're going to get a lifetime of hunting out of either one of them. But the 270 WSM is going to perform how oh, golly. I don't know. It is close. You need to read those articles and or blogs that I did because when you start comparing different bullet options in them with their relative velocities, you come pretty darn close. But I think the WSM would give you a little bit more advantage for the bigger stuff like elk and moose. Um, I used the 270 WSM to do that. I've taken moose with them and caribou and elk, um, not the PRC. I haven't taken much but deer with that so far. But with your PRC, you're probably going to top out with a 156-grain bullet, roughly, maybe a 160. With WSM, because of the twist rate in the barrels, you're probably stuck with 150. But you're driving that thing pretty darn fast. So I don't think you're going to go wrong with either one. If you're primarily a deer hunter, whitetail, mule deer, probably some pronghorn now and then, I think you could, I would go with the 6.5 PRC. But for an all-arounder where you might want to run up north and tackle a moose, do some caribou hunting and whatnot, 
WSM is a great option. I mean, I really, really like that round. I've always liked the 270, the standard, and I've done quite a bit of hunting with the Weatherby Magnum, and that WSM just fits right in there. Plus, it's in a short action, same as the PRC. They're both short actions, but they're a little bit long short actions. And that's a weird thing, too, because there's no absolute definition of a short action cartridge. A lot of folks will say, well, it's the 308, and the length on that one is 2.81 inches or something like that. And the uh, these two are more like 2.9 or 3. And because of the long, sleek bullets and with those long, sharp tips, you stretch them out. Well, you just have to seat your bullet a little deeper. And generally what the rifle manufacturers do is they make a little bit longer magazine in those rifles and it easily fits the cartridge. The action itself can handle them. It's the, the magazine link that sets you back. So you might want to check on either one of those with the rifle that you're buying because some manufacturers of short action rifles really do stick to that 308 length. So you might not get your factory loads to go down into the magazine box. So there's all sorts of interesting things that you have to learn over the, sometimes the hard way. I hope I can help you out here so you don't have to learn it the hard way. So yeah, those are the pros and cons of each roughly. But again, for more details, do check out ronspomeroutdoors.com website for some articles on it and the uh, YouTube channel too, because I do go into quite a bit of detail on the ballistics and drop tables and on drifts and wind and all that good stuff. All right, good one, Dale. As you can tell, by the way, Dale, I'm not sold on either one of them winning over the other one. You give me either one and I'll be happy. <laughs> they can sure do the job. This one is from Robert, and um, he refers to this video, um, Deadliest Deer Rifle, World's Deadliest Deer Rifle. I did that fairly recently. And he asks, what is the make and model of the 4570 that you feature in your World's Deadliest Deer Rifle video? Ah, that must be that, that's got to be the 86 Winchester model, 86 lever action. That's a heck of a rifle. John Moses Browning built that, one of his early contributions to Winchester. Um, and it was finally a Winchester lever action rifle that was strong enough to handle the 4570 and the 4590 and the 45110 and the 5110. I mean, just big cartridges, what were considered buffalo cartridges back in the day. You see, what was going on in the 1800s is Winchester had the market for lever-action handy rifles, mostly the 4440, um, and Colt had the revolvers, so anybody out riding the range, cowboys, settlers, whoever, if you needed a handgun and you needed a rifle, you'd get them both in 4440. You had your Winchester, you had your Colt, uh, but the Colts were usually 45 Colts, and then you had a little bit of an issue with two different loads. But they would try to get the same load for both of them. And it worked quite well for everything up to deer, maybe bear. But the 4440 is not exactly a hard-hitting cartridge. I mean, that thing's probably going, oh, golly, 1,800 feet per second with a 200-grain bullet. No, that was only going about 1,200 feet per second. That was it. The 44 flat, Henry flat, the original rimfire and the original Henry rifle, that was only going around 1,100 feet per second max. And they added about 100 with the 4440, which was the first centerfire cartridge in a repeater. So Winchester had that market, but they didn't have anything big. They couldn't shoot buffalo. Buffalo hunters were using sharps and uh, rolling block Remingtons and a lot of single shots. And Winchester just didn't have a lever action that can do it. 
and they tried to come up with some and just couldn't handle the pressures. Well, Browning could. He put some beefy bars in that thing to hold it back, hold the bolt back, you know, great big beefy bar. And that was the ticket. Unfortunately, by the time it came out, 86, Buffalo Arrow was pretty much over. The market hunting had pretty much done them in, and there wasn't all that much of a call for the big guy anymore. But it was still remarkably popular in 4570 because that was the U.S. official rifle cartridge for the military. So there were a lot of them around, and they were originally put in the trapdoor Springfield, which is a really weak single-shot action. You literally lifted a the top of the breech of the barrel, you'd lifted that up like a little trap door on a cellar and dropped your round in there and, and closed it up. And it was pretty weak. So they had to load those things down with this big guy. Hand loaders could beef it up and drive that bullet a lot faster. For the 4570 then, I mean, it still hangs on to this day because it can shoot a pretty hefty bullet. And obviously it's pretty darn wide. And uh, it's beloved by a lot of closer range hunters. So that was the one I featured in there. You might want to check it out. Just do a little research on the Winchester 86 lever action rifle. That's a big boy. All right, this is from Alan. Can you talk about maximum point blank range or MPBR in more detail? Oh, boy. I should probably do a whole show on this, but we'll try to wrap it up really quickly. Maximum point blank range is a system for zeroing your rifle so that you can keep your bullet within your target diameter at your maximum distance your maximum point blank range. So point blank means you aim dead on your target, right for the middle of the vital zone. And you should be able to hit it out to 200 yards, 300 yards, whatever your particular load can do. How do you do that? You have to do it by zeroing high at 100 yards. So depending on your cartridge, your bullet, and its velocity, you might be zeroing for 200 yards or 250 yards or 280 yards and sometimes even 300 yards, which most people are going to go, oh, wait a minute, you're going to be too high at 100. Well, you're going to be high at 100, but not too high. So let's think about a target being six inches. Vital zone easily is six inches on a deer. I would say you're probably good if you get within 10 inches. That's the heart lung area, pretty good size. But let's just go with six inches. That means we've got a zero for the center so that our bullet never goes more than three inches above the center. When it drops three inches below the center, that's your maximum point blank range. And with a 270, a 30-06, any similar cartridges, you're hanging right around 300 to 320 yards of aiming dead on and hitting that six-inch target. Pretty amazing stuff. And what it does is it frees a hunter up to hunt and make a quick, assured shot. Because you don't have to have all this dialing and range finding. If you look out and say, ah, that deer looks to me like it's within 300 yards, you can hold it on and drop him. So it's pretty quick. And that's what the old timers used back in the middle of the 20th century. I don't know when they figured this out and started using it, but that's kind of the way I learned. And O'Connor did it. And I think that's where I picked it up from Jack O'Connor's writing. And boy, has it served me well over the years. I would definitely recommend looking into it. And if you're one of the modern shooters who likes the dialing and the scope and all the other options for reaching longer distances, you can work with MPBR, maximum point blank range, and then add on your dialing afterwards. It's silly to zero for 100 yards because you're immediately dropping below it at 200 and you're really dropping at 300. So you're always dialing. 
With this one, you don't have to worry about dialing it till about 300 yards. Then you can start reaching out. So that's basically what MPBR. Again, go to Ron Spomer Outdoors, and I've got detailed blogs on maximum point blank range, and I cover it quite a bit in a lot of my videos. So once again, I've got my selling points for Ron Spomer Outdoors website and YouTube channel. Check them out, guys. I think you'll find useful information there. Hey, looks like we're about done with this program. I want to thank you all for sending in your questions. And I want to thank our patrons for supporting us on Patreon. Really helps you guys. We really appreciate the support. And I invite you to subscribe to this channel and check us out on the other ones that I've already mentioned. I won't bore you again with them. Until next time, this is Ron Spomer on Honest and Shoot Straight. Miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.